like if my kids, if my kids came to you and said, Dad wants to have a cat in the house, I would say, when pigs fly. Because it's like, uh uh-uh, no way, Jose, I got a great dog, he's amazing. Yesterday um, night, I had a horrible moment with him, though. We had left for, now Kasha is out of town. She's going down to Florida to pick up Jordan, and she went a few days early to spend time with one of her girlfriends. And uh, so she's been gone a little over 24 hours, and last night we're coming for the worship night, and I feed Titus, and I get fresh water for him, take care of him, and then I let him outside, and then we leave. And I let him outside, and we left. And my dog is not an outside dog. He's an inside dog. And so we come pulling in to the, to the, up to the house, and it's raining. You know, it's pouring rain last night. And um, so the garage door opens up, and while the garage door was open up, I'm pulling up at the driveway and kind of coming up the hill into our driveway. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I see Titus, and he's in the garage. And I'm like, someone left Titus in the garage. No, 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 we didn't leave him in the garage. We left him outside. And I had just cut the grass before. So he has very light fur, and it's green, or or not green. He has light fur, and he has green grass all over him. I mean, from head to toe. And I felt so bad. And so later I had to confess to Kasha uh, that I had left Titus out that whole time. And she's like, oh my goodness, the poor guy. And then she says, you have to let him sleep with you last night. And I was like, babe, I don't like it when, you know, the dog sleeps with us, right? And uh, she's like, nope, you got to let him sleep with us. I'm not there to take care of him. I was gone, not even 24 hours, Brian, and you're leaving our dog outside in the rain. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's one of those moments. And if you had told me that I was going to leave him outside, I would have said to you when pigs fly, I said, no way, there's no way that that would ever happen. But yet, it's crazy how in life these moments happen. When, when pigs fly, is a, is an, um, it's called an adenation. Now, an adenation is a hyperbole taken to such extreme lengths um, to insinuate that it's completely impossible. When you think about a pig flying, you would say it's completely impossible for a pig to fly. They don't have the gear I don't care what Shrek shows you. It's just not possible for pigs to fly. When we use the words, when pigs fly, many times what we're referring to is almost like in a sarcastic way. It's it's basically saying this is something that never, ever happens. So like me, you'd never see me with a cat in my home. And I think sometimes we almost treat miracles a little bit like this phrase. In, in some ways, we've, we've allowed miracles to almost lose their power because we, we almost use miracles in such a flippant way. It's almost like, like if pigs fly. And so we downplay it. So maybe some of you yesterday, you, you went to Walmart or you went to Meijer and you were like, I got a parking spot right up front by Meijer. And you're like, it's a miracle. Can I just tell you, it's not a miracle. All it is is someone backed out of the spot and you happen to be there in that time. That's not God intervening in that moment and being like, oh, here we go. Now, could he do it that way? Yes. 
But so many times we downplay true miracles by making them like this flippant statement. Oh, that was a miracle. Oh, it was a miracle. I passed that test. Well, if you studied for the test and you put the hard work in for the test, then it's not a miracle. It's a moment of you putting in the hard work. And the question arises, do you and I really believe in miracles? A miracle is when God intervenes. Like, for instance, if you went to Meyer after church to go get groceries, and you were pulling up, and all the parking spots were taken, and all of a sudden the cars did this. Like, and he parted the cars? Like, that would be a miracle. The fact that someone pulls out, not so much. And miracles are happening around us all the time, but, but here's the thing. Many times, in order for a miracle to take place, you've got to have a problem. And so many times, we don't want the problems. But it's yet in the problems and the difficulties actually build our faith. It's in those moments where we continue to believe for miracles. There's a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and, and we're going to look at an account here where we see Jesus interacting with someone who had a great need in their life. John chapter 5, verse 1 it starts off this. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has a five-roofed colonnade. So it's a, it's a good size pool area. People would come there. It was a place where a lot of interaction was taking place. In some ways, it could have been like the modern coffee shop. People are coming there. And it says, in, in there, there laid a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So what we see is there's all these people who are gathered around this pool, and they're blind. They're lame. They're paralyzed. They have needs in their life. They're looking for the quick and easy fix, and the quick and easy fix is this, is that if you get into the water, so an angel would come and would stir the waters, and when the waters were stirred, whoever got into the water first would receive that healing. It was this quick, easy, simple fix to the need that you had in your life. So people are all gathered around. They're all there to receive. They're all there looking for, for something to happen in their life. They have great need. And, and, and there's some questions that I think we're going to pull from this passage of Scripture here today that I really want to dig into. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first question because from this passage, what we see is this first question is being asked to you and I, and that is this, is what is your handicap? What's, what's your handicap that you find in your life right now? What's the thing that you need a miracle for in your life? What's, what's the thing that you're facing right now? Whether it's physically, maybe it's spiritually, maybe it's something emotionally, maybe it's relationally. But what is the thing that right now you'd say, this is my handicap? Maybe it's you grew up on the wrong side of town. Or maybe, maybe you would say it's, it's, it's the family I was born into. Or, or, or it's the resources that I don't have. Or, or whatever it could be your handicap is. What's your handicap? John 5, 6, he goes on to say this. When Jesus saw him lying there. So now Jesus is specifically pointing out one. It's a lame man. He knew that he had already been there a long time, and he said to him, 
Do you want to be healed? See, I believe Jesus is looking to you and I when we answer the question of what's our handicap. He's looking at you then. Once you've discovered, you said, here's my handicap. He's saying, do you even want to be healed? Like some of you are facing some addictions right now. And for you, that addiction has become a handicap. And I believe Jesus would look at you and I in the places of addiction, and he would ask us a simple question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to receive something from me? Whether it's drinking. See, a lot, a lot of people have this struggle with drinking, and, and some people say, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus turned water into wine, all these different moments and all these different things. But can I tell you, alcohol destroys families. And alcohol destroys people's lives all the time. And it's a dangerous thing. And I understand you have freedom, and I understand all these different things, and we could debate back and forth on whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But can I just tell you, drunkenness is wrong. The Bible is very clear about drunkenness being wrong. How do people get drunk? They drink. Now listen, we don't know where all that starts and how that starts, but here's what I can tell you. I know and I have relationship with people right now who have strongholds of addiction in their life and it comes through the form of alcohol. And I also know people who say, I don't want to be healed from it. It's just a part of who I am. My, my dad was that way. My grandfather was that way. I grew up in a home with that. But it's an addiction. It's something that's controlling your life. Maybe, maybe it's not drinking. Maybe it's drugs. And, and I look across our county and I see all the things that we're facing as a county and, and just the widespread epidemic with heroin and, and all the different prescription drugs and all that stuff. All that stuff has a stronghold in someone's life that Jesus wants to break free. And listen, I know that there's 10-step programs and all these things and, and they can help you get through that and the world can help you in those ways. Those are great things. But can I tell you, I've seen Jesus in one moment change somebody's life to where they never desired that thing ever again. Because why? Because there's miracles that take place. That's a miracle. It's a miracle when someone who has been addicted to drugs their whole life comes down to an altar, surrenders to God, and from that point on never touches it again. That's a miracle. And that only comes through Jesus. Maybe for you, you're seeking a miracle for pornography. Yeah, I said it. You know that thing that you think no one else sees and that thing that's in secret? I can tell you that's destroying your life. Maybe for you it's overeating. It's an addiction to food and you just, you keep eating and eating. You're just, you're, you're addicted to it. Maybe for you it's fantasy. You love getting swept away in the latest romance novel, the latest soap opera. Come on, the latest video game. Fantasy. Well, we can't end there. Maybe it's addicted to just spending money. Maybe you love to go after the things of this world and it's become an addiction in your life. Maybe it's an emotional thing that you're, still, you're struggling with. It's a handicap there emotionally. It's depression. It's fear. It's worry. Maybe it's control. Like where you're, you have a controlling spirit. Maybe for you it's physical. It's a physical sickness or a disease. Maybe it's a financial debt or, or maybe it's a moment where you're needing a job or maybe there's a moment where you find yourself in a situation where you, you can't put all the pieces quite back together again. Listen to me real quickly. One encounter with Jesus can change everything. And this man has been coming to the pool every day. 
Every day when the water's being stirred, every day when that moment's happening, he can't get in there. But in one moment with Jesus, one encounter with Jesus is going to change this man's life. What's your handicap today? Exodus 15, 26 says, For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. God heals. God saves. God sets free. So what's your handicap? What's your handicap today? The second question is this, is, is what's your excuse? <laughs> what's your excuse? What's the thing that you've been hanging on to that's been the excuse? Well, it's so-and-so's fault. It's, it's this reason. It, it's the family I grew up in. You don't understand, Pastor Brian. You don't see the things I've faced. Okay, what's your excuse? This man had an excuse. He had a need. He had a handicap. But he also had a need. In verse 7, it says this, the sick man answered him when Jesus had asked him. He says, sir, I have no one. Right off the bat, he's like, listen, I'm alone. Jesus, I have no one. No one is with me. No one cares about me. Every day I come here, no one helps me. No one else is here for me. Excuse. He goes on to say, to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going... So by the time I finally get there, another person steps down before me. Another person gets my miracle. Ever heard that? Well, God loves everyone else. He gives everyone else, takes care of everyone else, but he doesn't love me. It's always somebody else. It's always that person getting blessed. It's always that person over there receiving God's blessing in there. What's your excuse? What's the thing that you've been hanging on to that has become an excuse in your life that you've been hanging on to throughout the years? It's not just what's your handicap, it's what's your excuse. What are the things that you're allowing into your life to become an excuse? We were praying for this gathering this morning and one of the things we were asking the Lord to do was to, to remove distractions, to remove the anger and the fights. Come, come on now, how many... And you don't have to raise your hand on this one because it could get you in trouble. But, but so many times on Sunday morning, that's sometimes when we get in the biggest fights with our spouses. It's like we're trying to get to church and our spouse is like running behind or something's not happening right. Come on now, can I get an amen? <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Try to help you out. But then you get into it. And then you come into church and everyone says to you, hey, how you doing today? And you're like, I'm great. <laughs> fantastic. You're like, I'm fantastic. Him, not so much. <laughs> He's dead after church. <laughs> Why? Because we, we have this moment where we're, where we're struggling with each other. We're struggling with the things that are happening in there. This man had all these excuses, why it was other people's fault, why it was their issue, why, why for them, he's looking at it and going, no, 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 no one will help me, no one's with me, no one, and then when, when someone does try to help me, another person steps in, another person steals my blessing. Ever felt like you didn't have enough time, enough treasure, enough talent, I don't have enough. And the excuses begin to pile and pile and pile on. You feel like you've been dealt a bad hand. And the excuses continue to come. See, it's what's your handicap is the first question. The second one is, what's your excuse? And the third is this. is how big is your God? 
It's a moment where we got to almost flip the script in the middle of our need, in the middle of our handicap, in the middle of our excuses, where we have to remind ourselves of one simple truth, that our God is greater and bigger than any of the needs that we may face. Come on, there is nothing that you will face that is greater than him. There's no need that's greater than him. There's no sickness that's greater than him. There's no resource lack that's greater than him. No, no, no. He, he has it all. You may say, well, if he has it all, why does he just not give it? Why don't you just give your life to Jesus and everything's great and everything's grand and, and every provision would be taken care of? It'd be a whole lot easier to be a Christian if that was the case. Well, then you would be loving him not for who he is. You'd be loving him for what he does. And God is not interested in people who love him for what he does. He wants us to love him for who he is. If he wanted that, he would have created us with that intent inside. He would have not given us a free will and not a choice in there. No, he, he's longing for you and I to worship him. He's longing for us to choose to follow after him. He has chosen you, and therefore that can be awakened inside of your heart and inside of your life. Psalms 33, the psalmist David writes it this way. He says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts deep in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in all of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Listen, God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than a marriage that's falling apart. God is bigger than a health need. God is bigger than a job. He's bigger than circumstances. God is bigger in, than anything you would be facing in your life. He's bigger than your problems. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and just say this. Just, and it, just look at him and just say, you know what? God is bigger. God is bigger. So that first question is this, what's your handicap? The second question is this, what's your excuse? The third is, how big is your God? And the fourth is this, what's God telling you to do? It's interesting how many times in life God is speaking to us about certain things in our life and he's saying, hey, I want you to do this, but we can choose not to listen. We can choose not to be obedient. We can choose to do our own thing. So in the midst of the questions of asking what's the handicap, what's the excuse, reminding ourselves how big is our God? Well, he's bigger and greater than those things. Then, then we have to say if he's bigger and greater than all the things we're facing, then what is God telling me to do? What is he, what is he speaking to my heart right now? Well, he's not speaking anything. Then that means I need to wait. The word of God says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up as on eagle's wings. They'll, they'll rise above the issues, those who wait. But here's what I found in culture, and, I, and I'll just say even in the American church, and I'll, uh, let's just even drive it even, uh, in my own life. <laughs> it's hard to wait. Because when you know you have a handicap, and when you're fighting against the excuses, and then you remind yourself that God is bigger than those things. When God isn't speaking in those moments and he's saying, I need you to wait, that's some of the most difficult times that we face. And what happens is that the temptation rises up inside of us to try to figure it out. 
to try to control the narrative, to try to, try to make everything right. Anyone have sometimes a problem with controlling things? <laughs> okay, I'm the only one. Because <laughs> I can tell you this, I see it across our culture. See, we're told all the time, just have it your way, do it your way, just do it. All the different things that we're told. It's all about you. You're the customer. Whatever we can do to please you. Well, it works that way in capitalism. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. God is not looking at you and going, okay, whatever you think, whatever, whatever you think, yeah. And I'll tell you this, I'm so glad that God does not look at me and say, Brian, what do you think about this? Because that would not be a good scenario. So what is God telling you to do? Back to this passage. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Get up, take up, and walk. Get up, take up, and walk. It's movement. It's this idea of an expression of you activating your heart, activating your life, listening to what he's saying and doing it. Get up, make the change. Take up. Come on, get ready. Grab your stuff. Walk. Just take that next step. When my boys, um, when I'll say, hey, it's time to get ready, let's go, we have to prepare them ahead of time. Why? We'll say to them, hey, guys, come on. Get it together. We're getting ready to go. We've got to go to church. So then they, 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 they acknowledge it, hopefully. And then, then we say to them, come on. You got all your stuff? Take your, get your stuff together. Get your book bag on. We're going to school. Come on. Josiah, put shoes on. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Take it all up. And then let's get out the door. Let's go. We got to get they're listening and they're processing through. Jesus was speaking to this man who had a handicap, who had excuses. And he was saying, listen, I'm bigger than your problems. I'm bigger than your excuses. I'm bigger than the needs that are here. I'm telling you, if you will look to me, if you'll follow me, then what you'll find out is that I'm speaking something to you and all you have to do is what I'm telling you to do. To just simply take one step closer. My question to you this morning is this, is what is God asking you to take one step closer to today? What is he saying? Listen, here, here's the next step. If you just take this one. I have someone who's really close to me who's walking through a pretty difficult season right now in their life. And we were talking just the other day, and one of the things that that he mentions just, just about taking one step. It's just what's the next step? What can I do to just take that next step? And I'm so thankful for just simple steps. Because so many times we want to take leaps, but God's just saying, just take the step. Now look what happens when the man responds to what the Lord said. It said, at once the man was healed. So once the man got up, once the man took his bed, and once the man began to walk, faith was activated. At once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Here's what we need to find out, is that obedience, obedience precedes the miraculous all the time. 
That God is looking for you and me to be obedient. Well, if pigs would fly, yeah, he's asking for you to take a moment of pig flying moment of saying, I am going to trust you in this moment. I'm going to be obedient to what you're speaking to my heart. And it's often in the obedience that the provision is given to you and I for the miraculous to occur. Think about this, Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. Take off your sandals. <laughs> Noah, make yourself an ark. Genesis 6. Naaman, dip seven times, 2 Kings 5.10. Peter, come to me, Matthew 14.29. The blind man, go wash off the mud off your eyes, John 9, verse 7. Moments where people were being asked by Jesus to do a simple thing, a simple step, to walk in obedience, and it was in the moment of obedience that the miraculous was then given. So you may say, well, Pastor Brian, like, that's great. If Jesus was standing right in front of me and he told me to do this, I would do it. And then my question comes in, would you even know it's him? Well, okay, well, Pastor Brian, if I knew it was him and he said to do that, then I would do that. But the problem is, Pastor Brian, is this, is that, that right now, Jesus is not standing in front of me and telling me this. And you may be sitting there going, I don't understand how God speaks to me. Can I encourage you to spend time in his word because he speaks to us through his word? Can I encourage you to spend time in prayer because he speaks to us in moments of prayer? Can I encourage you to spend times of just listening and just in silence because he speaks to us in those moments? It's a still, small voice that he speaks through. It's not this audible voice. I know it would be cool if every morning you woke up and you were like, hey, God, what's up? And he's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> You're like, oh, not much. Just got a big day ahead. You know, studying for the weekend and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, Brian. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great if it worked that way, but here's what I can tell you. The Lord speaks to me in moments way better than just an audible voice. Because there are moments where I'm sitting there talking with somebody, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, the Father is speaking to me in my heart, and there's no audible voice, and that person's not hearing it, but the Lord is literally giving me the lowdown on what's going on in their life. And he's like, Brian, this is what you need to be praying for. This is what you need to be speaking for. Brian, this is how you need to be able to do this. this, this Brian, this is, this is what I've arranged. I've, I've set this whole moment up for you. It is greater than an audible voice because he's speaking into my spirit. And when I spend more time with the Father, when I spend more time with the shepherd, then what happens is, is I begin to recognize his voice more. And so when he says to me, Brian, go here, I go, okay, God, I got that. Because God is constantly speaking to us. It comes through moments of obedience. John 10, 27 says it this way, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They listen. I know them and they follow me. What is God telling you to do today? What, what is he speaking to your heart? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it this way, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. 
if you and I are in Christ and we are new creations, and, and if we listen to his voice, he knows us, and then he asks us to follow him, then all we have to do is simply take the next step, one step closer. A simple but life-changing way to live. So what's your handicap this morning? What's the thing that you've been facing right now in your life that you're looking at and you're going, man, this is the handicap in my life? What's the need? What's the excuse that's being whispered into your ear or that you've been listening to or you've been speaking? What's the excuse that you're speaking over your situation? And then in that moment of recognizing that, you've got to ask yourself the question, how big is your God? And I could encourage you with, he is bigger and greater than anything you would ever face. So what's God telling you to do? What's the next step that God is asking you to take in your life? See, the battle that you and I are in is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. If I, if I could tell you the amount of stuff that's been happening lately, I, w- I would sit here and I, c- I could just tell you of moments where I just I feel like right now that we in the spiritual are addressing a spirit. It's not people. I don't, I don't have any problem with people. But there's a spirit, and I'm sitting there saying, you know what? Listen, we're not going to allow a spirit of control and a spirit of of gossip and slander and anything like that. We're just not going to allow that. I don't care how pretty it looks. No, we are not going to allow that. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we have been given dominion, authority over those spirits. And so we need to begin speaking over that stuff, over our community. Listen, I am tired of hearing of our community having addictions and struggles and strongholds. Listen, God is greater than those. But we, the people of God, have got to start taking steps where we recognize it's not a physical battle. It's not going to be solved through some physical way. I, I understand the things that are out there, and I'm thankful for those things. But can I tell you, it is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual stronghold, and the enemy hates it when you start doing battle in the spiritual. He'll let you do stuff in the physical all day long. You want to fight among each other? Fine. You, you want to think it's a physical thing? Fine. Do it. Take care of it. He loves to let you do that. The minute you start recognizing that the battles you're facing is a spiritual battle, he freaks out. See, the problem is not your spouse. The problem is not your friends. The problem is not others. It's the spirit in in which those people are operating in. It's the control of the enemy over their lives. One of the most life-changing things that ever was given to Kasha and I when we, when we um, in our marriage relationship, was someone looked at us and said, listen, your spouse is not the enemy. And it was like, boom. And I know it seems so simple, but I had been treating her like she was the enemy. She's not the enemy. I love her. It's the spirit that's attached to that. It's the spirit of control that's attached to to that with her and with me. Because sometimes we think it's our spouse, but sometimes 
It's us. Don't elbow your husband. (laughs) But so many times we think that. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. So it says this in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask those questions to you again. But it says, for we are not fighting, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, no. But against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Listen, that is where our battle is. It's not with each other. It's against the spirit. It's not a physical battle. So then it goes on to say this. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. I was talking with someone just just the other day. And they said, Pastor Brian, I feel like I'm in the strongest spiritual attack that I've ever faced in my entire life. And I said, yeah, I can see that. They're like, this is happening, my physical body's being attacked, this is happening in my home, this is happening in in, in my family, this is happening in my workplace, all these different things. Spiritual battle, boom, hitting them. They're like, man, I I just feel like I'm in the spiritual battle right now, and I'm tired, and I just, and I just, I don't know what to do, and you're my pastor, and could you help me, Pastor Brian? And I just said this, I said, are you, are you spending time with the Lord every day? Whew. Um, not like I should be. Because here's what happens. Every, every day when we soap, now we, just, we choose to use scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's just, a, it's just a method of engaging in God's word. But we read the same thing together. When we engage in God's word together, here's, here's what it's like. it's like. It's like getting up in the morning and getting ready for work. You get up and you take all the things and then you walk. Because isn't that what Jesus actually instructed him to do? He said to the man, he said, get up, take up your mat, and then walk. Every day we get to get up and then we get to take what we're going to put on. And if we recognize it's a spiritual battle, we would never leave the house naked. But yet every day we're leaving the house naked. We're going through life naked because we don't have the full armor of God on. Because we're not spending time with him. You can be busy doing the work of ministry and never put on the full armor of God. And you are exposed and of course you're exhausted. You're in a battle. And in the battle, you feel like you're vulnerable from all sides. But when you got the full armor on, where you're like, dude, I got the breastplate of righteousness. I got the salvation, helmet of salvation. I got the gospel shoes of peace. I got the belt of truth. I got the shield of faith. I got the sword of the spirit. Come on, I'm ready. You're not sitting there walking around going, oh my goodness, is someone going to get me? No, because you're like, dude, I got the full armor on today. Some of us are fighting spiritual battles and we're naked. And God is looking at you and me and he's saying, listen, stop going around naked. Put it on every day. Spend time with me. Spend time in my word. Spend time in worship. And, then, and I love this because in Ephesians, Paul continues to write. He's like, so put on the, every piece, every part, so what? So you can resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then he says this, then after the battle, then after all of it, you'll be able to do what? You'll be able to do what? Stand firm. Now listen, that doesn't mean the circumstances change. It just means you can stand firm in the midst of them. What's your handicap? What's the thing you need a breakthrough in? What's your excuse of why it hasn't happened or 
How big is your God? How big is he? And what is God telling you to do? This morning, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. The question I want to simply ask you this morning is a simple question of what is God asking you to do today? If we know obedience precedes the miraculous, then what is God asking us today to walk in in obedience? What is, what is he saying to you this morning? He's saying, listen, I'm asking you to take this next step. See, so you're in a battle. And in the midst of the spiritual battle, God is looking at you and he's saying, listen, are you going to put on the full armor? Are you going to listen to the marching orders? Are you going to listen to what I'm saying? Here's where I'm asking you to go. I'm asking you to trust me. Listen, I've been taking care of everything for you. I've been lining everything up. But you got to trust me. The declaration last night of our worship night to the declaration even this morning has been a moment once again where the Lord is asking, do you trust me? Because, you see, in order to take the next step, you got to trust him. you got to recognize that he's bigger and greater than the needs that you have. And you got to remember that it's not so much about him doing things the way you think it needs to be done. It's about the fact that at the end of the battle, you'll be able to simply stand firm. So what is God asking you to do today? Father, I believe that you'll speak to us. If today you'd say, you know what, I'm facing a battle right now. I'm in a strong, I'm in a place where I'm facing some strongholds. recognize there's a handicap in front of you and you'd be willing today to throw the excuse to the side and to declare that God is bigger and greater and to be obedient and to take the next step that he's asking you to take we have plenty of time in this gathering day and so what I've believe God has done is just given us an opportunity to respond to him in a way of taking some steps. And if today you'd say, you know what, I'm facing some battles, I'm facing some handicaps, I'm facing some, some struggles right now and I need to, I'm willing to throw the excuses away and throw them to the side, I need to meet with God. I'm going to ask you today to simply take a step. I'm going to ask you to take a step and to come down and just to kneel or stand along this altar up here. But today you'd say, you know what, I, I'm facing some battles, I'm facing some handicaps, I'm facing some things that, that are some strongholds and I need Jesus to bring victory to that in my life. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you just to come. Come on, just that you would just come and just come right along these altars. God wants to meet with you here today.
just want to give opportunity. Come on, anyone else? There's some things that you're facing right now. It's just a simple faith. Would you just get up? Would you just walk? Just come down to this altar and just say, you know what? Jesus, I want to meet with you right now in this place, in this time. Here's my need. Here's the thing. Come on, let's put the excuses away. Father, do what only you can do, God, throughout these altars, throughout these moments. God, may you begin to speak to your kids. May you begin to speak to their hearts and their lives right now. May you bring clarity to their minds and their hearts right now as to what the next step is for them. Now, I want us to be the church, and I want you to come up and just gather behind those who are up here right now and just lay a hand on their shoulder. You don't even have to specifically know what to pray, but I just don't want anyone to be in this altar up here and to, to be up here alone. And so I'm just going to ask them on church. I need you to be the church. Can't do this on my own. Just come up and just gather behind a person and just begin praying for them and just believing that God would would move on their behalf right now. There's some There's some obstacles, some things that people are facing right now. Father, we just pray across this altar, God, right now. God, may you do the work. May you do the work.
God, we thank you that we can trust you. God, that we can run to you. And so, Father, I just pray over every person who took a step today, came down to this altar. I pray, God, that the, as they would leave this gathering today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would leave the excuses right here. And God, that this week would be a week of them declaring that you are greater, that you are bigger than anything that they would face. And then, Father, I pray that the things that you've spoken to their heart here in these moments, the things that you're going to continue to speak to them, God, the way that you're going to speak through your word to them, the way that you're going to speak through others through them, God, the way that you're going to speak through moments of silence, maybe moments of prayer, moments of, of just fellowshipping with one another and other believers, God, moments of worship, God. God, you speak through all these different ways. You're not limited to just an audible voice. No, God, you, you speak through all these different things. So I pray, God, that our hearts would just align with you, God, and that today, God, we would walk out the steps that you're asking us to do, just, just one step at a time, just one simple step at a time. God, we thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we can trust you, God. You're a faithful God. You're a good God. You're a good God. In Jesus' name.